Hi guys, and welcome to episode two of season alpha of the Shoes for Biscuit. It's still going to take some getting used to saying that, but that is what it is. And um, today I'm speaking to Annika, who um, who got in touch a while ago. Actually, um, we were supposed to do this. Oh gosh, um, I think we were going to do this on the run up to. We we're going to do this really early on the run up to Christmas, so that we could coach people about abstaining from alcohol. Um, and staying away from the, the work part, work days and things. But obviously I stopped doing the biscuit, so we had to reschedule it. And I thought, what a great way to, to set up something like this. Then uh, for January, a lot of people do take part in dry January and do really well for it as well. Um, and so maybe some people have have react behaved i don't know inappropriately at some work do something and they listen to something thinking oh my god if i hadn't drank so much i wouldn't have done that uh maybe it's time to change well this is the perfect episode for you i'm sure there are plenty of others in your situation um and it, it's a different way of thinking of life um it really is because you know if you think about society and how much alcohol is ingrained into everything that we do uh, when it comes to the peer pressure and the, just the, the normality of of having a drink at certain situations, if you think about it, sometimes you look back and you think, actually, yeah, it's a bit insane that we do do these things. Yeah. So um, Annika is is wonderful, and uh, she's going to give you a great insight into her, into what she does in her life and, and uh, this great episode. I want to say a huge thank you before we go into this uh, to Liam Tinsley. Um, I needed a place to record. And him being the great supportive, uh, great friend of mine uh, and one of the best chefs in Shropshire, um, let us use his restaurant space at Theatre 7. His restaurant is called The Restaurant at Theatre 7. Uh, so whether you're going to the theatre or not, um, it's a great place to, to book a table and go and enjoy some great food from a great chef. So uh, in, in return for this episode, I, I would appreciate it if you just... Go and take a look at the restaurant at Theatre 7 on Instagram or Facebook. Even if you give the, that page a follow, um, ready for when you do want to eventually book a table, I would be so, so grateful to every single one that's listened to this. All right, I'm not going to whittle on too much. Um, this is Annika, and um, take it away. This is a great episode. Enjoy. I'll catch you guys at the end. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Shoes with Biscuit podcast. Uh, this is episode two because we're going to be recording this in, in a weird order. Uh, our first episode, of course, was with Rob Gibson, but I'm not recording that till next week. So this is a very way, strange way of doing things. I'm, I'm, life is different now. I'm having to fit uh, podcast recordings in as and when life sort of suits me, and that's that's a very weird way to to live. Uh, today's guest, I'm very very excited to speak to because this podcast has been. A couple of months in the making because uh, we were supposed to do this before I took my break. Uh, then it got rescheduled. Then I took my break. So, uh, Annika Reese, thank you so much for joining me on the Shoes of Biscuit today. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great. Um, I've, I'm really excited. This is literally the first time I've recorded anything with anybody in literally months. So I'm like, I was pacing around the living room earlier. I took notes. I don't usually do notes. Very honoured. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's very nice. And I want to say a huge thank you to Liam Tinsley because we're recording this at the restaurant at Theatre 7. Um, it's a great place to come if you... 
uh, you you know want some food during an interval or before uh, the theater the theater if you can see something it's a really lovely space and the food's amazing of course it is it's made by Liam Tinsley so yeah um, and setting up give some drinks as well it's from when I know. Spring, so very special yeah reserve for the biscuit spring. guy nice yeah so so Annika we're going to talk about you and your journey today yeah and I've been listening to your podcasts and I first of all I love your show. I think it, I really do think it's great because I've been doing this for. Thank you very much, Liam. Liam just brought us coffee. Nice. I don't suppose I can pinch some sugar, could I? Just be. He's I'm going. Love doing coffee. It. Over the years of listening to, producing, uh, making, and being around podcasts, there are so many pod. And this is not meant in a in a dig or anything at mm. all. I think it's great. It's so organic because you hear yourself correcting yourself as you go. Yeah. And your thoughts, you talk about your thoughts as you, as they come into your mind and then you'll correct yourself and come back. A lot of people will cut that out. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Don't do that. I'm like, this is me guys. <laughs> I say, um, a lot. <laughs> I used to do that. I used to cut out my ums and my ass. When I was doing my, I used to do a show called Thor's Kin podcast, right? I used to like cut all the breaks out, all ums and ahs, but I think it's so natural. I just want people to feel like they've come out for a coffee with me. And I think in order to do that, we need to be natural. Um, exactly yeah. if somebody meets you and they're like well he's not speaking at 80, 80 BPM <laughs> like he does on the podcast said, um five times I'm gonna... sounds like Speedy Gonzalez <laughs> is that racist are we allowed to do that anymore my wife's South American I'll ask her when I get home <laughs> Speedy Gonzalez impressions I don't think we are anyway um, maybe cut that out <laughs> Annika I want to talk about your journey so where does life begin for you where, where are you where do you hail from Oh gosh, my journey. Where shall I begin it from? From from an alcohol free. Uh, yeah, sense. where did you yeah. where did you where did you begin? Where does I begin my alcohol journey? You, you will do your, uh, your 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 beginning story. So my beginning story, like many British people, I first really developed a relationship with alcohol at university, and I have a really distinct memory actually of sitting in my university bedroom, and I just arrived, and there's a bottle of vodka on my on my bookshelf, and I remember looking up at it and thinking. Mm, so we're going to be friends now mm. um, and loads of that was just to do with the student identity of the UK I was like this is what we do when you're a student and I, I took that badge on very quickly and very enthusiastically Freshers week yeah I was all over it and I'm a very enthusiastic like all-in kind of person and I very quickly just drank every day I was like yeah this is so much fun were um, you enjoying yeah. were you actually, did you I mean like back then it's probably hard to think about it while you're on the spot back then, mm. back in the day. But do, were you drinking out of enjoyment or because everyone else was? Oh, that's how do you even draw the line when you're that age? Because I'd say in my early 20s, I was like deep in my people pleasing, um, wanting everyone to like me phase. So probably a bit of both. Yeah. That's why my wife is not. So I, I'm a social drinker, but I don't drinking i don't go out an awful lot in fact i went to my work do the other day which you talked about in your last podcast mm. um and yeah i did have a few beers but it was the first time i've been out in probably i think the last time i was out was was actually with liam actually about at the tail end of summer yeah um because i don't do socializing as much as i used to and i, I don't think i do feel like if i go out i will have a beer mm. but i feel like that's a social thing rather than a well it's so interesting because i say i was drinking out of enjoyment at university one of the things that i've unpicked in sobriety is that you're usually enjoying yourself despite the fact that you're drinking because alcohol is a depressant <laughs> and we end up being full of dynorphin adrenaline and cortisol which are depressant dynorphin is a depressant hormone and adrenaline and cortisol you probably know are stress hormones um and there's a whole kind of 
downward spiral that we go on in our neurochemistry when we drink yet we we give alcohol so much power We're like oh i need to have some i've got so many good memories i've had so much fun when i've been drinking and a lot of the time you've been having fun because you've been with people that you absolutely love and adore you've been in an awesome club with re- with a really good dj you're like feeling really excited about life generally um, but if you try doing that kind of thing without alcohol and when you've let go of the story, I can't have fun without alcohol. Because, of course, if we tell ourselves I can't have fun without alcohol, our subconscious is like a genie. It's like your wish is my command. We will be boring and not talk to anyone all evening and go home feeling rubbish. Yeah. But yeah. But you, I've, I've had nights out without alcohol since that have just been as you heard in my latest podcast episode i had a great time at my crossfit christmas party sy1 um crossfit <laughs> the best <laughs> great shout out yeah. i can't say that i'm a big uh, user of crossfit but maybe one day maybe one day maybe we can get you there yeah that'd be great <laughs> i am looking for a way to motivate myself to lose a bit of bit of weight so and brings me on to um something that uh, i'm going to bring up now because yeah. i feel like it's important because mm. we're recording this in january mm. right and not recording this in January. It's actually December, but we're releasing this in January. And I'm very <laughs> conscious of the fact that a lot of people make New Year's resolutions. I've made loads of them. I know lots of people have, and it's a very common thing. The gyms always fill up with people that want to do it. I want to go to the gym in January, but I'm not one of those people. It's just like, I feel like it's a food thing rather than a Christmas thing. You eat mm. a lot of food over Christmas. Um, I think, I'll, I'll beep it out, but I think I think New Year's resolutions are bull****. Yeah. Yeah, you agree. I hate this whole new year. Ugh, I can't even speak. Can't even say it. That's much. Doesn't belong it. in your mouth. Does not belong. <laughs> new year, new me. Uh, I think it creates a lot of anxiety, and I think it means that we start the year on I'm not enough straight away. It's like when you have a morning routine that you try and like pack too much stuff into, and then ten minutes after waking up, you're like, well, I'm already not good enough because I've not done this, this, yeah. and this, and I slept in for an extra five minutes. And for me. New Year's is a lovely time to, to plant seeds. So if you think about the seasons, um, we in, in the winter, we hibernate, we go into our yin energy. And there's a beautiful freshness about January. We're looking onto the horizon of the rest of the year. And it's wonderful to look back on the year before and say, oh, wow, look how far I've come and look at all the stuff I've achieved. Or look at everything I've manifested. And it's lovely to say, hmm, what do I want now? Great, do it. Plant the seeds. But if you look around you at nature... The, the seeds do not spring up until spring. Plant the seeds, put your intentions down on paper and just and know that you're moving towards them. But do you need to spring into action in January? No, that's for spring. It's, it is. It's, it's true. I, I'm so, so I, I, I do feel like prompts are a good idea. Not always, I guess. But like I stopped smoking. We've stopped over. And I haven't yeah. smoked since, which yeah. is great. I put a blue, a blue cross on my calendar for every day I haven't smoked. It's my way of Amazing. my little reward. And my little boy from the first month was like, reward for daddy. He gave me a reward and I haven't had one since. So Aww. I'm saying, but my reward is I feel better about myself. And I am feeling an amazing amount of energy at the moment. Smoking's a depressant as well. Mm. So I don't feel as bogged down and lethargic and stuff. So I've, I feel amazing. I really do feel amazing. That is my... That's my drug of choice, I think, is smoking. I, I used to smoke a lot. Yeah, mm. So I totally hear you. I've not smoked for three and a half years, but I think I found it harder to stop drinking. Sorry, to stop smoking than I did stop drinking. So yeah. I totally get you. And also, when we when I say I hate um, 
new year, new me. It doesn't mean that stopping on the 1st of January is a bad idea, stopping smoking or stopping drinking. Yeah. It's just uh, about not putting too much pressure on ourselves to like suddenly change our whole lives, you know, in January. If you're thinking, oh, I'm not going to stop now because they said it on the shoes of biscuit. <laughs> Please stop. Yeah. <laughs> doing what you're doing. Um, and, you know, I feel like with, with, with everything that comes with stopping something, whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, uh, uh, drugs, maybe cigarettes, yeah. there's always that bit of social peer pressure. And you talked about it brilliantly in your, in your podcast about the, the Christmas work there. I love how you sort of fitted that together. Mm-hmm. There's a social sort of pressure that maybe people aren't aware of. Maybe it doesn't exist. Maybe they're not doing it, but you think it's happening. But you feel like you've got to comply with what everyone else is doing. How did how did you get over that when you first started to... I think the important thing to recognise with alcohol is it's entrenched in our culture and it's it's very tribal. So we are essentially tribal beings. And the the most dangerous thing that we can do in terms of our subconscious mind is to be excluded from the tribe. So if we allow ourselves to feel like, oh, I'm going to be rejected by the tribe, by my friends, we're setting ourselves up for failure. So one of the first things that I say to my clients is, don't exclude yourself from things. Do all the things that you genuinely want to do. Now, you might do some of them and realize, you know what? I actually don't like doing this. I thought I did, but now I've stopped taking an anesthetic. I've realized it's actually really boring. That's fine. But do the things you want to do. And I think alcohol-free drinks are so good for this because I, I call it our inner toddler. Our inner toddler is pacified when you sit there with a pint of beer in your hand and you've got the same shaped glass or the same shaped bottle as everyone else. No one even notices when you do that as well. People just feel so much more relaxed. And it's amazing how you your placebo effect kicks in, you feel more relaxed, you you join in and you forget about the fact that you're not drinking. And then you come home and you're like, oh my God, I had an amazing evening. And alcohol-free drinks, I think they just give us that little bit of um, like a pacifier, if you like, to forget about the fact that we're not drinking because so much of it is the story around, I can't have that, I'm not drinking, I won't have a good time. And when we just take that bit away... I actually know I had a much better time than normal. I stayed up much later than normal. I was much funnier. I promise you everyone's funnier when they're not drinking because your brain works quicker. And then you come home and you think, ah, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've all been there as a designated driver at a night out. And, you know, you're the only sober one. And I think towards the end of a night, you think everybody's jumping around and laughing weirdly and everybody almost looks strange when you're sober. You're the only sober one around and everybody's kind of drunk around you. And you think that could have been you. Yeah. It could have been you, but you're still having fun, I guess. You know, it's. Well. I think the interesting thing when you look at the neurochemistry behind what happens when we drink is we have fun in the first 20 minutes. We have uh, lots of happy hormones released when we have our first drink. And then our brain counteracts it with adrenaline and cortisol. And actually, we end up feeling more stressed and more grumpy than before we started. But at that point, we've stopped laying down memories. Mm. Um, and we're just not as aware. So when you don't drink, you can watch this happen. You're like, oh yeah, they are getting more grumpy. They've had an argument. They're definitely going to have a Barney when they get home. I can see she's cross with him. Um, and you can why see. Why is she it. crying? Yeah, why? Why? <laughs> I was you always... dropped your shoe. Why are you crying? <laughs> exactly. How many times? I mean, I know I've gone home crying many a time when I've been drunk. And when you, when you allow yourself to step back and see that when you're not drinking, you can ask yourself that question. Was I ever really having as much fun as I thought I was? Or am I having more fun now? Because I'm actually genuinely laughing and being silly and I'm not crying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. You've done so much. You've looked into this so much. And um, when when was the moment 
what was the thing for you that like made you want to change made you want to give up alcohol Oh, good question. So when I was at university, I drank a lot and it was very normalized. And when I stopped, you know, well, when I stopped, you know, when I finished, stop. <laughs> it was actually, I was, I was devastated when I finished university. It was oh, so sad because I had so many lovely friends and I really enjoyed myself. And I, I tried to carry on the party really. Um, when I went into work in my first job and I saw, you know, oh, it's really grown up. You know, that's what we do. We have a glass of wine after work because we're, we're stressed and this is just what grown ups do. And it was those, those, th- those three years in my first job that I did that repeatedly. And eventually, I was suddenly woke up at three o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday and I felt like the universe just slapped me across the face. And I was like, I feel horrible. I feel absolutely awful. I feel really depressed. I feel really trapped in my life and something has got to change. So that was the, 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 the catalyst to the first time I tried being alcohol free. And I can't believe that I ever I had a year and three months off, right? And I can't believe I picked up another drink ever again because I had the best year and three months I'd had so far in my life. I My life went from naught to 100. Before I knew it, I was living in Dubai. I was living in an amazing apartment with my own pool. I met my my then partner. I met my best friend who I'm still best friends with. Uh, everything suddenly got really good. And then I went back down the rabbit hole again and really proved to myself yeah life is not as fun when you drink like my rain cloud came back things just didn't feel didn't come to me as easily I didn't manifest things I wanted as easily and the magic kind of went away which is why then eventually eventually took me a while managed to come back to where I am now it's beautiful it really is beautiful because I, I think I'd put someone on Facebook earlier that I've just got rid of my black cloud after after two years this cloud has been following me around. It's, it's been absolutely cuckolding me creatively, honestly. It's been like sucking all the energy out of me, telling me I'm terrible, why I do, and all this sorts of blah, 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 blah. I know I'm not, right? I've got to accept the fact that I'm good at something, and this is it, right? And I'm going to carry on doing it. I'm going to do it well. But for the last two years, I've been really struggling. My anxiety with, with creativeness has been a terrible, terrible ordeal to go through. And I'm not saying it's the smoking, but I feel proud of myself for doing that. And then I've also gone back and listened back to some of my old stuff, um, which I'm very, very proud of. Some of the, the interviews I'm really, really proud we did with you, Suck. Um, I put um, a, a, a gag, I got a gag reel, a, a guest reel together the other day, and we were speaking to Carol Baskin, and we were speaking to um, Brian Graydon, who ran MTV for 13 years. There's all these amazing wow. people that we had on our show. And I was like, we did that. Billy West came on our show, you know, one of some of our heroes. And it made me realize, actually, Alex, you were, you're an idiot because you were brilliant at what you did. There's no reason to feel bad about what you did. Well, I would just say as a coach that that voice on your shoulder that's mm. been telling you, oh, you can't do it, you should probably stop. Everybody has that voice. Yeah. Everyone. Um, but the funny thing is, is a lot of the time, a lot of our lives, we spend thinking it's only us. It's just me because I'm not good enough. And, you know, Tiger Woods has that voice. Like, uh, Everyone does. All of these successful entrepreneurs have it. But the skill is getting really good at turning around and telling it to do one. 
<laughs> and say no thanks. Mm-hmm. In fact, Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, talks about this voice when she's writing. Um, can I swear on this podcast? I'll beep it out. It's funny if it's okay. beep it out. Okay. So she she talks about the voice and she's writing her book. She's obviously like a very famous uh, well, write, number one bestseller writer. And she's writing and she's got this, this voice on her shoulder saying that it's crap and that no one's going to listen. No one's going to read it. And she says, you know what I do? I turn around and I look at that voice and I say, go make your own f- art. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yes, I love that she has that too. <laughs> And that's something I needed to learn because with when I was when I was putting Yusuk together with the boys, I miss you guys if you're listening to this. We had a team that spanned across the world, right? It was amazing. We were pumping out content like every day of the week, and I was so so engrossed in the figures. Mm. What do the analytics say? Who's listening? Where have they listened to? Why have we not got tens of millions of? And it was dragging me down so much. The fact I think it was affecting my content. That's where it all began, mm. and um, it just kind of barreled out of the way. I sound better when I'm enjoying myself. And I realized after this break that I've just had, I feel right now I'm floating on air because I haven't done this for a while and I love it. It's all about fun and creativity. Yeah, fun. That's what I'm saying. Playful energy. And you know what? That's the best way to manifest. Have fun. And you know what? On that note, I hardly ever check my podcast stats. No. Because I'm like, let the universe decide. Whoever needs to listen will find it. And I'm just going to enjoy doing the episodes. And the, I've got one rule with my podcast, and that's that I have to con- be consistent. So I have to release one a week. That's just my thing. And I'm like, as long as I'm doing that, I'm winning at life. And the universe will look after the rest for that's me. That's what I did with the biscuit. Every Monday for five years, we released an episode. There may have been one day, but I'd always counteract it with a special or something, you know. But yeah, that's, it's good to have that consistency of yeah. you know, making content. But it's uh, good, good that you've come back because... We need more of this. Podcast. Yeah, it, it took a bit of it took a bit of uh, a jiggling, <laughs> a bit of jiggling. So, like, we're doing. See, I'm doing a season of ten episodes now, rather than one every single mm. week, because I need that time with my family to concentrate on my work, uh, my you know my actual job that pays the bills and stuff. You know, yeah. so uh, but at the same time, I'm still making stuff. So I, I'm making tw- uh, twenty podcasts a season because I'm doing ten for the Shoes of Biscuit and ten for the Biscuit Guy, which is a more adult mature themed version of me where I can speak to anybody that doesn't just, just live in Shrewsbury so yeah. um, our first three guests are Mike Perkins superstar comic book designer ride drawer he's a, one of the best on the, on the planet Brad Brohanan from Bar Rescue one of my favourite friends and um, Danny Rojas from Ted Lasso Football is life. Amazing. Because um, I love that I love speaking to people from all around the world yeah. um, and I, it's because I give myself um, the, the, the license to have fun with it like I said there's a few things that I love that you you mentioned in your podcast and one of the things I think I pointed out was um, hashtag feeling our feelings. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's a big one. That's like, I think, the most important thing I have learned in my life to date is how to, and I'm still learning because I don't think we ever finish learning about this, how to feel my feelings. And if I look back at all of my maladaptive coping practices throughout my life, drinking, smoking, eating too much, um, dieting, etc., etc., it all comes down to not feeling safe, feeling my feelings. And I think we're trained not to feel our feelings. As children, we're told, be a good girl or boy, have a sweetie, that's it, don't cry, well done. Mm. And and then when we get older, that turns into alcohol or, or cigarettes or, or other drugs um, and food. And when we 
the magical thing is when we actually feel our feelings, we process them and we release them and then we we kind of up level. And when we don't feel them and we push them back down, we carry the trauma around in our bodies. It makes us ill and it keeps us stuck. So it really is magical. And, you know, it's very interesting when we look at society and the way things are moving at the moment because you're right we have we've recognized those sort of things in growing up and you know talking about our feelings and being inclusive and and talking about our emotions and that is that's starting to sort of wean its way into sort of families and society it's a little bit of pushback from a few people the whole uh, hashtag woke thing you know i am a woke person i i, I enjoy that you know i'm all about talking about my emotions and and, and everybody enjoy the world not just me right that's me that's just how i am but i feel like the more we teach that with kids and the more that we say to pe- to boys, it's all right to cry. Go on, get it all out. You know, when I was growing up, it wasn't acceptable. You know, yeah. you were called a fairy or you were called the drama queen or something like that if you cried. Whereas now it's different. It yeah. is different now. It is. And I've even noticed, I'm 39 now, and I've noticed there's a difference in people who are like five years younger than me. Um, my sister's husband is seven years younger than me. And his, all, his age group... Um, very comfortable with their emotions and crying. Mm. Um, I mean, I can't speak for all men. <laughs> I can speak for my brother-in-law. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's there are some really cool shifts coming with it and long may it continue. Uh, what do you think holds us back though when it comes to, you know, because we talk about the, the social norms and how things are changing because they are. We see it all the time, you know, we, where we talk about Disney and movies, where we talk about music or where, how how women are portrayed particularly there's a bit of bit of progress there which i'm happy to see um still lots more work to do but what do you think holds us back from um uh, i was there's the chair i have a wobbly leg i can hear it over there having a little chair swap there we go well i just saw i just saw liam before before i think it's it's the floor (laughs) oh is it squeaking uh i saw liam tweak it uh, fixing chairs and stuff earlier i think some of these chairs are a bit wobbly boys he'll fix it it's fine <laughs> well, i lost my train of thought now what's holding us back what, what do you think our feelings no with um with the social norms of mm. drinking smoking vaping now is a big thing why why do people i know you said um uh that we've got this um this flock mentality almost that we, we want to do what everybody's doing but we know it's bad so <laughs> Can I, do you, do you want me to explain this from a spiritual perspective or from a more oh, yeah, psychological we, perspective? We can do both. We've got plenty of time. Okay. Yeah. So from a spiritual <laughs> perspective, we've, kind of, we've got light and dark energy and dark energy is not necessarily a bad thing, but we, we've come into this human experience because it's the, the realm of contrast. So we've come in to experience all of like the light and the dark and the low, high vibrational feelings, the lower vibrational feelings. And Shaman Jurek, who wrote what's what's the name of the book spirit hacking which was actually the reason why i put down my last gin and tonic over three years ago he describes the the web of ideologies that we live in that kind of like all the brainwashing and all and like the social ideologies as the matrix and it's the matrix is made up of dark energy the matrix is designed to keep us small keep us in our box and keep us from expanding and if you think about well, why do we why did we if i'm a soul that's come into this human experience like why have i done it well the argument is that we've come to expand to grow to learn to expand our souls and that we come back many times and we keep learning and growing and expanding and that the matrix is trying to like stop this 
and keep us small. And I do believe that alcohol is a weapon of the matrix. And as Sharman Jurek explained it in his book, and you know, when someone says something, you're like, that resonates so much. And it does. It keeps you small. It's, it stops you from feeling your feelings. It stops you from healing your pain. Stops you from releasing your trauma. Stops you from questioning things. It basically keeps you as a hamster in a wheel. It allows us to accept the unacceptable. You know, if we're in a relationship that's unacceptable or we're in a job that's unacceptable and we, things are going on in our lives that are just awful, we can, we can ignore them and we can keep going if we keep numbing. And when we stop numbing, we're like, what the hell am I doing? I can't do this anymore. And we we grow and we change. I think numbing is a very key word in all of that, what you just said. Mm. And I, I do believe what you're saying does make a lot of sense because when it comes to like the stresses and the strains of life, I think we all pick that one thing, mm. that one activity, that one thing that everybody's got their vices. I believe that, right? Yeah. So, you know, some people play too many video games. Some people do drugs, drink. Some people... Um, I was addicted to, to pornography or they did, maybe they, they look at their diet and their mm. fitness probably a little too much. I mean, I don't know, yeah. but there's always something. Yeah. Um, and I think actually, you know what? Fitness can be like a, a positive, a good vice to have, mm. I suppose. Why to swap one for the other, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, with, with all of these things, I mean, drugs and alcohol, no, but with things like fitness and um, shopping and things, they can be, perfectly harmless but it's when we're using them to not feel our feelings that have become problematic yeah. Yeah, of course. and when we're using them to to chase dopamine which is the beginning of an addictive pathway because we don't want to feel That's our me. feelings yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and it, it comes down to again feeling scared of our feelings and i don't even call them negative feelings i disagree with that we have uncomfortable feelings but they are uncomfortable for a reason so for like a roller coaster yeah yeah and you know if the fire alarm went off here right now it would be a really uncomfortable noise but it's supposed to be because it's supposed to make us move get out of the building so we don't burn and that feeling you get of scare and panic is actually designed to get you out of the building exactly and that's what all of our uncomfortable emotions are they're just our inner fire alarm going excuse me um you need to look at something <laughs> There's a famous um, Lee Evans uh, joke where he's like, uh, he's like when the when the captain comes over the the thing, he's like, "Hello, I'm your captain," and he's like, "Oh, that's posh, isn't he?" He's like, and if he comes over over the speaker, he's like, "Ah, have you looked down yet?" You know, he's like panicking. You don't panic. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our uncomfortable feelings are so 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 helpful when we um, don't numb them and we listen to them. And seriously, this is this is one of the many reasons why my life's just so much better now I don't drink because I move through things quickly. If I'm, if something's not serving me or a relationship's not serving me or a situation's making me unhappy, I cannot ignore it. No. And that's uncomfortable in the moment. But what it means is I get myself out of it pretty damn quickly and into a better situation instead of wasting years stuck in miserable situations. Yeah. And this is this, that is one of the hardest things to do mm, because, yeah. you know, there may be people that I worked with in the in the past that may listen to this and think, you what, Whiteley? But I was in a job I wasn't happy with for a while. You know, I, I was stuck there because I thought, low self-esteem, what am I going to do after this? You know, I was very good at my job. And it turns out I am good at this job because i got a better job. Um, but it took me so long to get off that leap pad. You know, and it's, it's having that motivation to do that. And that is... Again, we were talking about earlier about listening to your negative feelings and stuff. That's kind of what I was doing. I wasn't giving myself the license to to be brave enough to yeah. go out there and try something new. Absolutely, and and 
equally or equally on top of that if we are numbing with alcohol not only are we allowing ourselves to accept the unacceptable but we're also messing with our neurochemistry so that we are predispositioned to feel more anxious and more depressed on a daily basis and we we kind of train our brains that the only thing that's going to make us feel better is a drink of alcohol and and we start to create this false reality that life's just a bit crap and it's like no that's what alcohol makes life feel like when and if you want proof of this go to a children's birthday party and watch them having fun and enjoying themselves or even just watch a child playing you're supposed to feel good most of the time children's laughter that's a good thing and cat yeah. videos i used to be like, oh cat videos yeah whatever now i find myself openly laughing at cat videos i love them I'm i love a good it. cat video by the way if you heard me open a can and pour some uh, liquid it's, it's water it's not beer i'm gonna open my it's wenlock spring it's still i spoke oh, it's still actually yeah it's nice uh wenlock spring i spoke to twice on um on the biscuit that's a that's a it's an interesting conversation to have because I, I met them at uh, the food festival first i was like oh these guys water what kind of conversation are we going to have water actually one of the most interesting conversations i've ever had on the oh, podcast really? yeah it's fantastic the science of water is wonderful oh did you did you learn about the the molecules the doctor something moto who you can charge water with feelings really there's a, a study that some doctor did i yeah. watched the um is it down to earth with zach efron there's a one where we were stuck in Australia when it uh, during COVID. Anyway, Zach Efron did this um, amazing documentary where he went and looked at different aspects of life, and one of them was water. And he was looking at this really expensive water. You could buy really, really bottle expensive bottles of water, and he's just like, he was just like, it's the difference. And he went to like where they make the water, and they put it in a tank and they shoot it with infrared, like oh, really? literally, like it's really good, a really good uh, documentary. There's some amazing science about water. <laughs> Wow, I didn't know water could be so interesting. I know, and we digress. Uh, talking about water. Um, so, how since you you've made this the, the transition of I'm, I'm not drinking anymore, mm. and being part of this wonderful community, by the way, I've most I spoke to Kate Taylor from Walking mm. the Straight Line, wonderful person, uh, and in fact, that's why we we had the, the gap in between because we thought there might be very similar podcasts, but actually not. Yeah, it's a huge community. You guys do it for your own reasons, and there is so much to talk about it. So I'm glad that we've done this because Kate is wonderful, and so you're so you in your own unique ways. Um, how's the community been to you, and how have you sort of thrived? Or mm, so one of the things that I've really noticed this time. So I stopped drinking for the last time on the 27th of November 2020, which was a long time after the first time I tried being alcohol free, which was in 2010. Wow. Um, so I had a big gap of like going around the houses with like having breaks in my you know having months off here and there um and the first time I stopped drinking I literally was the alcohol free kid I loved it so much and I um I honestly never thought I would go back to drinking ever I was so happy but I did why was one of the reasons why was because no one else around me was alcohol free there wasn't the online community so I felt like I was like out on my own there was it was like go to AA or go to Alan Carr which is actually what I did I went to an Alan Carr seminar and they kind of reframe things for you um but there was no community and after a while i just got re-brainwashed i had so many people around me going way especially because i lived in dubai where alcohol is really glamorized and they've got like verve clico and like silver trays everywhere and um, really yeah that, that, that shocks me and that's probably the ignorance of me going oh looking from the outside because dubai i see as a country that maybe wouldn't well if you're if you're muslim you don't drink but there's lots and lots and lots of non-Muslims there and they charge 30% tax for alcohol. So they're more than happy to 
like you know allow us to pay them for it which is fair enough you know yeah, absolutely um so yeah it is actually more liberal than you think you have to have an alcohol license again that's me being yeah. really me looking from the outside this is like so my wife is from colombia and a lot of people look at colombia and they, they look on the outside they think pablo escobar <laughs> been to colombia a couple of times and it's a wonderful country until you learn about country you know yeah, you gotta gotta go and try it. So, oh, yeah. yeah, um, you are there's a there's a big drinking culture amongst expats in Dubai, um, not amongst Muslims, but amongst the expats. And yeah, I got re brainwashed basically. I'd, I'd, that's how I explain it. And since that this, this time that I've stopped, there's just this massive sober community, and you feel like you're a member of like a really cool secret club. And something that I've noticed is that when um, when I go to events or parties and I meet people for the first time, when when you realise like that someone else is alcohol free, you instantly have this kind of like winky like, oh yeah, sweet, we're in the club. We're in the yeah. club. Yeah, I've got your back, buddy, and it's quite fun. Um, and there's just so many different things online. There's different meetups you can do. It's a great way to meet people. Actually, being alcohol free, I've met loads of friends through it. Do you guys? you guys I'm sorry I'm not trying to lump you guys or I say guys yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. do you guys try and liberate people from alcohol or just let them come across it organically oh one of my biggest tips is ironically I know I'm on a podcast talking about how great it is to be alcohol free <laughs> but I really say to people don't preach so I preach on my podcast and on my Instagram and my TikTok because my the idea is that people who want to look for some inspiration can find it there Yeah. but in a social situation in, in my real life no, don't, if people if people want to stop drinking, um, that's I will happily talk to them. But I never want to make people feel judged or like I'm preaching to them. And I always say to my clients, be the light. Just focus on being the happiest version of yourself and having loads of fun. And the people that want or need help or are on, going to be on that path, they will come to you on their own and say, tell me what you did. Um, and that's my biggest advice to anyone who's on a sober journey. Don't try and change people. Focus on yourself and be the light. And then they'll be like, I want a piece of that cake. Yeah, exactly. Oh, people do. They're like, tell me, like, what have you done? You Your look skin's so looking amazing. <laughs> what did you do? What are you using? No, I can't. Exactly. Um, yeah, and that's just the same for the, the no smoking thing for me. I don't want to compare myself to, to people's journey with alcohol, but, you know, I, that's the only way I can sort of mm. relate, I suppose. And I said, I, I can't quit until I'm ready. Yeah. Totally. And I did. And it's my, my little boy who's like, will you stop smoking, daddy? Yes, okay. And this is the thing, right? I don't do drugs. I don't really drink that often. I don't really go out and socialize that much. And I didn't really smoke an awful lot. Yeah, I'm a bit, bit of a pudding. But do you know what I mean? That was that was the only thing, really, I think, that was really getting me down mm. is that I'm, I'm always going to be a slave to this thing. Mm. I want to be able to go and do my own thing without having to think about it. And also as well, it's really embarrassing when you go out in a group of people and you're the only one stood out in the garden having a cigarette in the rain. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, to, well, when I lived in Dubai, everyone smoked because it's really cheap there and it's it's a cultural thing. Yeah. Uh, the British expats smoke there a lot. And I I mean, I'm so pleased I don't do it anymore. But I have noticed since we were back in the UK, people don't do it anymore. No, it's all vape, 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 vape. And I did other vape for a bit, um, you know, before I stopped. But I was like, no vape, no cigarette, nothing, no alcohol, no nicotine, nothing. So I stopped completely. I'm but I like the fact that you just mentioned feeling trapped because it's the same with alcohol. It's, it's about freedom. And this is something that holds a lot of people back with stopping drinking is we, we create this false story that we are free. We drink because we are free and that if you say you're not going to drink, you don't feel free anymore. It's actually the opposite. Yeah. You you feel truly free when you when you don't do it anymore and you can do everything you did before and more. 
And as a, as a, what sounds like a well-traveled girl, um, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned in your podcast, Drive by Gin. Uh, Drive by Gin. Oh, my God, that's terrible. Drive by Choice. Yes. Drive by Gin. <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Uh, Drive by Choice on, on Wild Cup, Dry. Um, an amazing um, off-license. See, off-license is our non-alcoholic beer. Uh, oh, alcohol. No, non-alcoholic beverages. There you go. That's the okay. word, Whiteley. Got there in the end. As someone who's traveled around and, and, and been a part of this community, is that unique to have something like that in a town so alcohol free off licenses are popping up uh i i would say i think we are really lucky in shrewsbury we have got some amazing alcohol free options that off license is incredible and because of them uh, the bars and restaurants are stocking more and more and more of a range of alcohol free options in fact the armory even has lucky saint beer on tap which is alcohol free beer so I would say that the options that we have alcohol-free in Shrewsbury are on a par with London. Um, I know there's an alcohol-free off-license in London. I'd, I've not heard of any anywhere else. Well, this is when a paper, uh, well, there's a young couple opening an alcohol-free pub. I'll have to look that up and put the link in the comments. Uh, I will find the story. And uh, the comments on social media were funny. Well, I'll give them a week, you know. But I feel like that's quite appealing. Is it Shrewsbury? No, in general, I think there's a there's a there's a guy who bought a pub and he's like, we're going to make it alcohol free. Amazing, I'll be there. I mean, I'm there is Google a bar in London called Redemption that's like an alcohol free bar. I'm going to Google it now while we're looking. Also, as well, in a bit, we're going to play a, a new <laughs> a new game. Um, uh, it's uh, oh, give me a sec, alcohol free pub. I'm doing a Google, doing a Google. Um, uh, I'll i oh here we go, found it. It's an ITV channel. Uh, well, maybe we can. What's his name? It's, it's in Weymouth, um, and it's called the Dry Dock. Oh. Um, and uh, as he got his, this gentleman's name, uh, Sam Watson, hopes his pub located on St Thomas Street offers a safe place in the heart of the cent- uh, town centre. It's an alcohol-free venue, uh, offers all the conventional features of a traditional pub, such as television, pool table, dartboard, restored jukebox, board games, pub quizzes and every t- Wednesday. And I love that. There's lots of things to do. And actually, when I lived in Dubai, even when I was still drinking, I used to go to Friday night karaoke at Rock Bottom, which sadly is no longer there. But I used to love that because... It was an evening out that wasn't focused solely around alcohol. There was an a- activity that we were doing, which was karaoke. And it, yeah, it's nice to have something else to focus on other than how wasted we can get, you know? To be fair, do you know what? Like, I'm feeling so... Pe- I feel like I'm a different version of me uh, than I was a few months ago. Because, you know, I was like, no, I can't do karaoke when I'm sober. But I sing amazing in the shower. I don't care what anybody else says. Like, yeah, when I'm in the shower, you so do I'll it go- better when you're sober, 100%. S- I agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. And also, if you want to build real confidence, then don't drink. Because if you tell yourself, I can't dance without a drink, I can't socialise without a drink, you're feeding a belief that you are not enough and that you need this prop, this crutch to help you be do basic things like socialise and, um, you know, have fun. And when you go and prove to yourself, like, I can have fun without anything. I don't need anything. I've got all the resources within me I need. Every single time you do that, your confidence grows and grows. You know, you have an amazing night or, you know, you, you like pull the person you've wanted to pull for ages or you sing an amazing song in karaoke. And you're like, no, I did that because because I'm that good. 
not because I needed this this thing to help me. And actually, you know, you're not waking up in the morning with beer fear going, oh my God, was I awful? Yeah, what did I do? Yeah. Um, oh my God, I, I, I text my ex or I did this terrible thing. I was, I was a dick, wasn't I? You know, <laughs> it's one of those things like... No, because you were sober. Um, exactly. If you if you were a d- or you're sober, you're just a d- in general. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's the worst thing to ask someone who is who is uh, abstaining from alcohol when you're having a conversation? Mm-hmm. I've had a similar conversation with with Katie, but like, have you had any experiences yourself where people have come up to you and gone said that an inappropriate thing? So now it's interesting when you first stop drinking and you're not like quite sure if you really want to do it, people always try and convince you to drink. But when you're really solid in that, no, I don't drink, people really don't bother you. But one of the things I've really noticed is that sometimes people come up to me and they whisper like, did you have a problem? Were you an alcoholic? And I always kind of (laughs) roll my eyes because... I mean, I don't identify with that term. I did not have to be clinically detoxed. I wasn't physically dependent. But I have a bit of an issue with the the stigma around that word. And actually, I mean, the word itself isn't the problem, but it's become an issue because of the stigma around it. Because anyone who drinks alcohol is on the continuum of addiction. Just like, you know, if you said to me, oh, I only smoke a couple of cigarettes a night and um, I tend to have quite a lot of the weekend, but, you know, I'm not addicted like anyone would say, well, sorry, but you're delusional. And alcohol is more addictive than nicotine. <laughs> it, it just blows my mind sometimes how much we society turns a blind eye on the damages of alcohol. And this is this is me sounding really preachy and stuff, but it's very damaging across the, so the whole of society, across the whole world, not just across the UK. The biggest of, killer of all the drugs. Yeah, uh, and the damages it causes the violence and the dam you know yeah. football hooligans I can't stand them yeah. big Shrewsbury fan uh, we've got Wrexham coming up and I'm like oh god you know in fact actually as we're releasing this uh, the, the game's already gone so woohoo well done Shrewsbury or oh shame we lost you know <laughs> whichever one works <laughs> you just like edit out the the yeah, that didn't happen <laughs> <laughs> but just, just leave it in you know he's, he's batty brain that whitely guy um, why do we link um bad feelings to things like food and drink i mean we may have covered this already like but when it comes to comfort eating mm. or that that kind of this is very cliche scene in the guy in the bar in america you know speaking to the barman you know we, we link those bad feelings with that one thing that drink that food so i think the biggest driver here is shame Shame is a very, very heavy emotion. It's the, lower, the lowest vibrational feeling you can feel. And it's the hardest feeling to process. And because it's the hardest feeling to process, a lot of us don't process it and we, and we repress it. And it's, this is how we kind of collect trauma in our bodies. It's, and, you know, shame and unprocessed grief, like we're all carrying it around in us. And so often, I mean, I know the number of times I would wake up um, having drunk wine and I don't know about you but I used to do this a lot I know a lot of people do when I'd had a drink oh I'd like I'd eat the contents of the fridge you know or you'd get a takeaway and then you wake up in the morning and the first thing Kebab. You, yeah and yeah. the first thing you think is oh dear lord what did I eat last night and then you're like going around your house like a detective like trying to work out from the crumbs on the kitchen floor oh no <laughs> I think I had cheese on toast oh god um, and the shame I would feel around that was just awful so why do we feel shame around around food and drink? Well, 
again i think it's linked to the fact that we are we've pushed down unprocessed emotions but i think a lot of it as well is is the identity and the stories that create around overeating and over drinking um there's a lot of shame attached to alcohol in society mm. it's it's ironic it's it's the only drug that you have to make give excuses to not take um it's highly addictive um but we're not allowed to admit that and we spend most of our energy trying to cover up the fact that it's got a little bit of a pull on us i think most british people drink more than they would ever admit to yeah. and we just spend a lot of energy making sure everyone thinks oh i don't have a problem i don't drink that much and the number of times like when people can if before they know what i do um as a job they i say oh, i don't drink the number of times people launch into why they don't have a problem for about half an hour and you just have to sit there really compassionately and be like, okay. And I'm like, well, obviously you're worrying about your drinking because you've been talking for 30 minutes now about why you don't have a problem. Yeah, you're and reflecting there. Look. I used to do that too and I I feel you. <laughs> yeah. I used to do a lot about my mental health. I used to talk about, we used to talk a lot about mental health on the show and I used to, you know, sort of, not, I wouldn't get preachy about it, but like, you know, my mental health has been up and down. I mean, I've been talking about it for a while you go reflecting on what sort of um what's what's going on there uh i was gonna say something and i can't i can't remember what i was gonna say um that completely threw me off my own thoughts and my own emotions and stuff i think you're fantastic i think what what the, the message that you guys are trying to do uh you know, sort of put out there is is very positive mm. because um it's it's a great great health choice and one of my heroes um for podcasting comedy in general is bert kreischer um i love two bears one cave great show mm -hmm. He does this thing, he likes his alcohol and he likes his drugs, but he'll do this thing where he just stops drinking for six months or whatever. And the changes that goes through his body, and he talks about it openly on the podcast, he's like, oh yeah, you know, I've got more energy now and he's, he's at the gym and stuff and he's losing loads of weight now he is. Um, I feel like anybody that does that sort of, uh, offers that positive message like yourself, like Bitcoin, yeah. it's a great thing. Yeah, and I think there are lots of people out there who think of being alcohol free as being miserable as, as, as that it's difficult and I, I just cannot subscribe to the mentality of you're one drink away from being drunk you know it's really hard take one day at a time you're always going to be an addict um, I don't think that's helpful messaging to tell yourself I think as humans we are all addicts if you're going to if you're going to use that term we all have dopamine pathways we all have shame we all have unprocessed grief and trauma some people unfortunately have more than others that is a part of our human experience and yeah. it's really 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 hard to navigate but alcohol is not the answer <laughs> and yeah i just think there's there's so much magic on the other side of not drinking and it, it can be and i honestly i never ever want to drink alcohol i never crave it i wake up every day just feeling so happy that i don't drink and that's my mission, really, to help other people see that it can be better than ever before. Just like when you're a child and you sort of run down the stairs for Christmas and you're just the happiest, most excited person in the whole world. You didn't need alcohol to feel that good. That's that's your God-given right. I interviewed a gentleman called Ben Fuchs a, while, uh, a few years ago. Wonderful guy. Um, works in cosmetics in America. Mm. And he was talking about nostalgia. And he completely threw me and my, my buddy, Tom Bruno, in America. Uh, and he was talking about nostalgia. He said, nostalgia is a type of depression. And I was like, get out of here. We all think about sitting watching cartoons in the morning. And he's like, but you can't go back. You can you can live in that moment for a little bit artificially. Mm. But your mind's telling you you want to go back. You can't go back. So nostalgia is like a weird little thing that happens to you where it's, it is nice. Mm. But you're ultimately, you're sad because you can't go back there. And I think that's a really interest, interesting way of looking at things, you know. Uh, and 
Yeah, that's why I brought up. I know, I agree. And I have said this to a couple of uh, people recently who are getting married and they're like super focused on like getting really skinny for their wedding and looking perfect and i'm like don't you be thinking that you're going to look at that picture of you looking perfect in 10 20 30 years time and feel happy that you look that good on the day you won't you just use it as another reason to feel crap about yourself you'll be like oh i don't look that good anymore that dress doesn't fit me like feel good on the day because you want to feel good in the day but you don't need to kill yourself over it i got pictures on my phone when i used to be fit and i had like abs and all sorts right i look at those pictures and i cringe Cringe! <laughs> what did you do to yourself alex <laughs> you know i've got them there for i don't know what reasons i just got them there because they exist if i delete them they're gone forever you know yeah but We're- yeah nostalgia is a funny thing and i do think that's a very insightful point really because the only thing that's real is now isn't it yeah and you know i mentioned earlier i went back and listened to some of my old content and it inspired me uh you know maybe that's a you know me uh, being a bit too... Uh, <laughs> I think you've got to love yourself a little no, bit. No, I think you're being hard on yourself. It's okay to to celebrate what you can do. Yeah, you're right. And that's that's what I've been taught, especially in my job now. I don't want to talk about my job but too much. But like, celebrate the little victories. Because it, it, not only does it document what you're doing, but it does make you feel better to, to move on. Yeah, it helps you, helps you build and move forward. And it also keeps that like pesky um, voice on your shoulder that's telling you can't do it at bay you know so well no actually yeah we did we made a list in work actually i'm so i'm gonna talk about work one we made a list of all the good things we've done and i was like wow that's a big list as big as i thought it was gonna be um <laughs> right this new this game i want to do this game then i want to talk about the coaching okay what you've been doing it's called um wait it's random in it yeah because it's going to be a minute of random questions. Okay. Random minute. Oh, random I love, minute. love this. Right, so I found a website. It's called um, it's teambuilding.com. And I did email them today. I was like, you, they've got a random random question button on their website that I'm just going to click for a minute. Uh, amazing. Um, so if it's inappropriate, you can blame, <laughs> you can blame teambuilder.com. So I'm going to find my, my, my timer on my on my watch. Let's have a look. Stopwatch. Okay. I'm going to go for a minute. Is this all right with you? All right. Okay. The first one up, and we'll go. Uh, what book are you currently reading? Um, I'm reading three books at the moment. So I'm reading a book on addiction recovery, um, and I can't remember who that's by. Um, that's not very helpful, is it? I'm also reading another book. Oh, God, I can't remember the name. It's a sci-fi. I love sci-fi. Me too. Is this like a really long-winded answer? I'm supposed to give a quick We're going to move on. Three books. Three books. <laughs> three books. Do you prefer team or individual sports? Individual. Individual. Do you enjoy roller coasters? What is the best or worst roller coaster you've been on? I love a roller coaster. I went on Nemesis three times in a row without queuing when I was 10 and I loved it. It's reopening soon, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Has your taste in music changed in the last 10 years? No, I love drum and bass forever. Oh, nice. Do you make your bed in the morning? Yes. Nice. Do you spend most of your... What, how, where do you spend most of your day? In the gym, CrossFit. <laughs> <laughs> last one. If you could uh, collect anything, what would it be? Money. <laughs> Money. <laughs> I love that. That's a great feature. I love that. We're going to keep that in. So uh, random, in it? Yay! That's a, that's, that. a, that's a great game. Coaching, yes. Big part of your pop. Big part of your. I've New York then. Big part of your life. Yes. Um, I was like on your, on your uh, websites and things and earlier. Um, where when did this begin? Has this been a lifelong thing for you? Or 
So my teaching business started two and a half years ago when I moved back to the UK. And actually, when I say I spend most of my time in the gym, that's not true. I spend most of my time coaching. I spend an hour a day in the gym. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so yeah, I started then. I trained to be a health coach um, back in 2019. And when I did it, I was still drinking. And I remember thinking, oh, I quite like the idea of coaching, but I don't really know what my thing is. And it's weird how I do feel like it's my destiny because I don't think, I can't remember ever making the decision that I was going to start my business. It just sort of happened. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I've got to come home and I've got this coaching business and I feel really passionate about it. And I, I can't really remember the point at which it, it started or or got into momentum. But I, I I had this big thing when I was going back and forth with my drinking and that kind of 10-year gap between the first time I stopped and, and the last time I stopped, where I just felt so ashamed of the fact that I just kept going around, that I'd not stuck to it. And I had this massive moment of clarity when I put down my last gin and tonic that I needed to do all of those months off, different ways of stopping drinking because I needed it all for professional development and that my mess is my message. This is what my life's purpose is. It's to have the experiences that I've had with alcohol so that I can support other people and I can support other people to stop drinking and wake up basically and manifest and unplug from the matrix, unplug from the matrix and do what you, your soul came here to do. And yeah, so that's kind of how, that's not a very clear cut way how it happened, but it, I just feel like no, it's I think it does because I feel like if you if you if you're very self aware in the fact that you can motivate people, mm. that's a quality you need to lean on absolutely because I've realised that I'm really good in a one to one setting speaking to people. No, I'm really good. I enjoy it. Whether I'm good or not, so that's up to you guys, right? But <laughs> I enjoy it and I feel comfortable in it in a room full of people. I'm kind of like hi. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's weird. One to one's definitely better. I mean, I would call myself an extrovert. I don't mind groups, but I just enjoy one to one conversations mm. so much more. That's yeah. mad. We used to do stuff at the prison. Uh, we used to work at Shrewsbury Prison as an actor, and oh, they'd cool. be like, we'd be on a, on the exercise yard, and there'd be like 50, 60 people out there, and I'd be playing a character. I'd be swearing at everyone, oh, being a lagal out or whatever, or a pain in the backside, and uh, that was fine to me because I was a completely different character. But if they're like, no, Alex, do it as yourself, I'd be like, no, <laughs> Isn't that weird, right? It's so crazy. Um, so what I can't, how's it gone with the, the business? Is it doing well? Is yeah. it doing right? You got I am loving it. So it's one of those things that is really, really scary to do. And I was jumping off a massive cliff when I, when I started doing it, but I've just put one foot in front of the other with it and bit by bit it's grown and my podcast has grown and I get, um, clients regularly and I just love it so much. And prior to that, I was a teacher. And when I was working in Dubai, I had outstanding lesson observations. And, you know, I did I did well at being a teacher. But I, I know that I am better at this than anything I've done before. And I just know that because of the feedback I get from clients. And I watch people change. I, I watch people come to me feeling helpless and stand, watch them step into their power as they realise they just ha there's nothing to miss with alcohol when you let go of it. There's nothing better. I think when you talk about drugs and chasing the, like that dopamine, there's nothing better than firing someone up. That yeah, that absolutely. that is one of the best drugs out there. When you when you're making a difference yeah. and changing someone's life, even if it's just for thirty seconds and you can see that right happening right in front of you. Oh, it's the best feeling watching people grow and um, yeah, seeing them just get happier and happier on each call. And obviously you go through things. It's not always like 
sunshine and light, but it, it is incredible. I love it. It's, it's such a great job. It's brave as well. It is a brave thing to do. And the, again, I'm going to compare myself to relate. I got asked by a person in town. I'm going to name him because um, he's very well known in his own studio in town. Um, and he asked me to come and do some podcast courses for people, teach people how I'll make a podcast, you know? Do we do a like, six-week course, meet people and stuff from the beginning and make their own podcast? Cool. I didn't do it because I was scared. That, 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 you know, I was kind of like, no, who's going to want to listen to you? I use really old free programs because I believe in making stuff for free with free con- with free yeah, programs and stuff. Well. <laughs> Audacity and uh, Wavelength, wave, Waveform, and all these kind of amazing like free pro- programs you can get. A Levelator 2. One of the best things ever made. Um, um, and I'd be like, people use like, you know, amazing equipment that they could just go and buy, you know, Adobe and all this sort of stuff. And I think, who's going to want to listen to me? But really, that's that guy on the shoulder. That's yeah. me. But I'm coming out of that now. So maybe. You'll maybe. find as well. Like, so that's what I call the voice of your ego. And when we drink, that voice gets louder. And when mm. we don't, it gets smaller. And our voice of intuition, which is a much softer, gentler voice, can come through and that's the voice that takes us where we want to go it's self-belief yeah absolutely yeah and that's why i think you're brave because i think i've spoken to to coaches before and i feel like it's a like i said it's a a skill that not everybody has to motivate other people um so um guys i wanted to point you towards the the podcast as well um it's the alcohol free vibes podcast and i listen to i've listened to a few today and they're very good very good the short bites as well which i like I used to make, um, what did I make? Crumbs. I used to call them crumbs on the shoes of biscuit. They were 15 minutes long and they used to do really, really well, but I, I haven't got the time to go and get 15 minute podcasts all over, all over shoes. Biscuit. I would say it's that short. It's like half an hour. Sometimes twenties. Yeah. Sometimes it's an hour. Like when Kate came on, it was an hour. <laughs> me and Kate, when we're together, we can just talk. She's wonderful. Yeah, she's great. So yeah, sometimes it is an hour, but it's organic. And I like yeah. that. I, said, I mentioned that earlier that that's the best part about it for me is that i love podcasts when they're not super super edited and they sound really nice mm. and free-flowing and that's what your podcast is and i like oh, that thanks so much that's uh, so yeah. it's a good vibe to have um and the, the, the business point tell people where they can find you if they want to yeah so if you would like to connect with me you can find me on instagram and my handle is at coaching by annika annika is spelled a-n-n-e-k-a tiktok is at coaching by annika underscore official or you can check out my website www.coachingbyannika.co.uk there's a theme here and you can email me at thrive at coaching by it's wonderful um uh, kate's ace like we just met today and we've got good vibes good vibes going on today a oh. uh, very friendly person but so thank you for coming on the shoes of biscuit it's really nice of you is there anything else you want to mention before we get out of here anything that we haven't mentioned already yeah if you are struggling in dry january and you're feeling deprived um and even if you've you've done what i always used to do which was do about four days and then go stuff it and get back on the wine if that is you then please reach out to me i've got um many things I can offer to support you. I can offer you one-to-one coaching options, but I also have some self-led courses as well, which you can do, um, and some like really low ticket things as well, like my 30-day audio challenge. So get in contact, let me know what you need, and I'm sure I can help you. Oh, you've been wonderful guests. It's been Thanks. really, really nice chatting to you guys. Uh, thank you guys for, for listening to I don't even know how I'm going to end this yet. Am I going to do uh, an outro, or am I going to end it now? I don't know. We're just going just gonna to ride with it. So Who knows? <laughs> I'm going to do an outro. We'll, 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 I'll record something separate, but thank you so much for joining thank me today. You, thank you for having me. Thank you. What a great interview that was. I've got to say, we did this in a jumbled up order. So I spoke to Annika first, then Rob Gibson second. And this was actually the first podcast I'd done in literally 
months, um, and it was uh, it was really good to literally dust off the bike. And I was wiping the mics um, with a duster before as I was setting up, and there was they were full of dust. So I literally dusted off my mics and uh, recorded for the first time in a while and it was really good that episode though i was a little bit like sort of normally i go straight into it bam conversation biscuit guy you know uh, whereas this one i was kind of a little bit you know kind of withdrawn a little bit i feel but i really enjoyed speaking to annika she was a great guest um thank you so much for tuning into this uh, this new version of the shoes biscuit i really appreciate every single one of you uh during my hiatus i've got so many nice messages uh, and at times phone calls as well um from people who wanted to work with me and um it's been really nice to know that you guys are still out there you know so i uh, really appreciate every single one of you um i want to point you towards our brand new website which is at the shrewsbury biscuit podcast.co.uk um it's lovingly made for us by the web orchard um they've been supporting us from there and off the very beginning and uh, when I said to, to Peter, I got this brand new idea, so I need a brand new website. He's like, "Well, how's a brand a brand new logo too?" So they designed the brand new logo, uh, this this amazing new website. So if you need anything for IT needs, if you need a website, um, they will make one just as sexy, if not sexier, than ours. They're brilliant at what they do. So make sure you follow the Web Orchard. And my final thank you is, of course, to Liam Tinsley, who uh, who runs the the restaurant at theater seven a great little spot uh if you're whether you're going to the theater or not really it's just a great spot to go and, and go and eat and liam being one of the best chefs in shropshire undoubtedly um you're definitely going to get a great service from there um he let us set up in, in that spot there at the theater and uh, that's that's where we recorded so thank you liam for always supporting me and um you know in, in return i'd like all of you listeners to go and uh, go and book a table at the restaurant at theater seven Okay, guys, this has been fantastic. I'll catch you at episode three. Um, And uh, yeah, this has been wonderful. Peace out. Much love, folks. Mm -hmm.